Hey, if you just turned this on expecting to hear an episode of Pod Bien, don't be confused. I'm Ed Z, host of the Keep Your Day Job podcast. Tyson invited me to join him for a conversation about our two podcasts, what makes them similar, different, and overall, what drives us to continue. Since this is the first time we've collaborated on a non-election-focused conversation, we decided to try and do things differently. With that in mind, Tyson offered for me to write the intro. I don't have any great insights to offer other than this. Over the course of history, humans have found ways to develop ideas through dialogue. In 2021, podcasts enable people like Tyson and I to do just that in longer form, but it also offers an opportunity for subsequent dialogue driven by our audience, however small or large that may be. In an age where many of what were physical interactions have now become digital, podcasts have given me and Tyson a way to get to know our neighbors, why we choose to reside in this community, and what drives us in our daily lives. They offer us an opportunity to approach local issues from different angles, and collectively, our two podcasts paint a picture of the central Illinois community in differing levels of detail. I hope you enjoy this conversation, and sincerely, thanks for listening. Pod BN. Beautiful day out at Little Beaver Brewery. It is packed here. We try I got uh, Ed here with me. We tried to stand in line to get a beer. We eventually were running out of time here. We had to get up here and just record. Absolutely. Yeah, we just had to make a call. I will say, though, shout out to Little Beaver um, in preparation for this conversation. I came here earlier in the week, or well, last week at this point, and had uh, I had the chimichurri wrap, and it was phenomenal. Was good? Shout I out to the that. new menu. Yeah. Um, and then I also had, today I had the Bro Science which was a double dry hopped IPA. Very yeah. good, very good. That was the yeah. same thing that, uh, yeah, uh, Jamie Matthew was just here, and he had the same thing, so yeah, that's pretty good. I think that's a new one. Yeah, I like the Little Beaver beers, really like the Little Beaver sours. I know everybody's a fan of those. Yeah. But then also, um, I was excited to see that they had some kind of off-brand stuff, too. Yeah. And a collaboration with Phase 3, that was cool. Yeah. So that's always good to see. I've been trying to cut down on my alcohol consumption, too, so they've got some um, non-alcoholic beer options that are actually really good, too. They've got a non-alcoholic hazy IPA so if I'm sitting up here for three hours talking to people I don't need to be drinking these uh, 8 to 10% beers that could become a public service announcement after three hours of listening to it right (laughs) this is your brain on beer yeah Yeah. (laughs) so this is good this is gonna be our our crossover episode of the pod BN and keep your day job podcast here so um it was pretty I'm very happy to see what you're doing I think it's it's really cool um you're getting uh, a lot of people, some people that I've thought about talking to before, other people I wouldn't have thought of talking to yeah. that are really neat. So how's, um, I guess, what's been your inspiration to start and to keep going with uh, with your podcast? I think the better question is, like, keep going, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so to start, um, there's, like, two weird things that happened, right? So back when I was an undergraduate, um, I had this art show that I called The Void Between Lust and Conversation. Okay. And like the reason I had created that work was because it was, to me, about trying to visually bridge the gap between something I had seen and then something that I had understood, right? Because I, I believe there's this space, and I would use it to talk about human relationships. I think it's most obvious there, right? Like We, we see people, and we characterize those people based on what they wear, what they say, what they do. And then we build 
we build on that character of that person the more that we speak to that person or even if we don't speak to it the more that we see on social media so for me it was an attempt to try and kind of like take back the veil of some of these people and uh, it's it's been interesting because what I'm learning is that a lot of people are not like I thought them to be and and I think in the age of social media especially it's like most people contradict what they're putting out on social media. I don't mean that in a negative way, but right, we're trying to cultivate an image, and a lot of times that image is counter to, to who we are and what we do. Mm-hmm. So these conversations for me have been a great way to get to know people in my community, get to know about things in my community, and then just kind of right, like re-understand issues that I thought I understood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you've been, you've been successful at that then? That's been your experience? I don't know. I mean, really, isn't that like what that to me, this is Kind of, I'll, I'll point this question back at you. Like yeah. that's what's funny about podcasts to me is that there, there really isn't a strong measure of success, right? You or I are not going to become Joe Rogan. We're not going to monetize these things mm-hmm. the same way that other podcasters do. Would I love to? Yeah, sure. But that's that's not really why I started it. Yeah, so. and even the subject matter that we're doing, and I realized that right when we started, is we're painting ourselves into a corner where this is never going to blow up. Right. There's a few topics we cover that seem like they could have significance outside of the community um like the last episode we had with uh, brad mcmillan you know we're talking about some national themes there um but uh mostly we're talking about intentionally things that are just happening here in bloomington normal and so what's your max podcast audience gonna be right i talked to ryan denham about that and he's like yeah i mean sort of a, a niche within a niche yeah. right so yeah. you can't expect huge monetization on it or right. this isn't going to be but maybe that's the point of your name of your podcast is this isn't going to be your day job right? yeah you're going to keep your day job well, and this came it came out of like a weird compulsion that i had uh i was working at uh my my day job and um i was i was keeping lists of things that i found interesting and people i found interesting because i i found myself kind of getting on my soapbox more than i felt comfortable at work so I kind of thought, okay, well, what if I what if I sidebar this thing and try to talk to some of these people and try to better understand these things myself? And with respect to kind of your point about the amount of people who listen to it, I just tell myself, like, is this satisfying for me as a person? Am yeah. I learning as a person? And if, yeah. if I knew if I knew all the data that I'm getting was false, would I keep doing it? And the answer there is kind of yes. Yeah. So as long as I can keep getting people to want to do it, <laughs> I'll keep <laughs> recording. Yeah. I mean, it's um, Jennifer McNabe was on one time. It was a couple of years ago. She ran an art studio downtown. I hope she still runs it. I, I haven't checked after COVID. She's still doing that. But she called it a sustainable hobby. Yeah. She's like, I, I enjoy doing this thing. And as long as I can, like, make enough to cover the bills associated yeah. with it. And I'm yeah. not dumping, like, hundreds of dollars into it. I'm going to keep doing it. I mean, you think about another hobby like golf, right? Mm-hmm. How much are you going to spend on golf clubs? How much are you going to spend on going out to the greens? Right. I enjoy talking to people. So um, through our Patreon supporters and through um, the sponsorships that we get, I've broken even on everything. So yeah. it's like I've had three years of fun talking to people. Um, some people listen to it. That's yeah. cool. Some people say they like it that's cool but ultimately i get the treat of i mean uh i mean just being here in little beaver they, yeah. they buy us some beers every week so i get free beer to talk to people and that's pretty cool right that's it is. fun it's, i mean it's extremely <laughs> satisfying if the alternative were to try and convince people online right i mean and yeah, i get people who i disagree yeah. with and people who i agree with 
And in-person conversations are definitely easier than Zoom conversations. But um, it's really satisfying to find common ground with people who you had no idea who they were a few yeah. minutes ago. I was just listening to, I've been working my way through, uh, do you know Eric Weinstein? Yeah. He's got a podcast called The Portal. And one of the things he just was talking about in the last episode I heard was this like thrill of finding common ground with someone who you didn't think that you had common ground with and how that's like a, it's one of the things he chases in his life. And yeah. Especially if there's someone who said, someone who tells him like, that's a person you can't talk to. Like that's, they're not in our group. You're not supposed to talk to them. Right. I, I relate to his sentiment of like, well, that's, that's almost, that's a temptation to me. It's like, yeah. Oh, like I, I bet I could, I bet I could chat with that person. And hey, well, and you go in there, if you go into a conversation assuming that you're not going to change a person's mind yeah. and not even having that as your intention, yeah. I think they, they, they are a lot better that assume way. That, assume that that person has something to teach you, right? Right, what right. What can you learn from them and listen to what they have to say, follow it, and then if you reflect on it and it's all garbage, then okay, move on with yeah, your life, yeah. right? But give it a chance. So. Well, and I think special shout out to, to all the critics of people like you and I who are doing this thing and say, okay, well, right, if fame isn't the issue and converting people isn't the issue, then we we seem to be in that space of like, you know, the public space as it was originally conceived as a space for critical dialogue. Yeah, and I think, yeah. I think you know, you mentioned Eric Weinstein. I'm a huge fan of him, um, and he talks a lot about this kind of great awakening, mm-hmm. right? And I think what's very interesting, especially locally, is that like our political systems maybe aren't as active as we would like them to be as a community, right? We're not seeing change at the pace that we want to. And so a lot of these conversations about what change could be are happening outside of the traditional norms. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, we've talked about political homelessness before, right? Like, I don't know that I would align myself to a party here in town. If I had to align myself to anything, it would be like anti-establishment. And I actually see a lot of similarities between the far right and the far left if we were able to take away some of this culture war stuff. Yeah. So I think that's what these conversations get at, right? Yeah. And my first episode was with Diane Benjamin. I was just going to say that. And that yeah. was, again, like, <laughs> I I would like to talk to her more. We go back and forth on Twitter. Um, but she's an extremely interesting person to me, right? Because we're talking about a person who... They have a day job, but she's also monetizing this character that she's created on her blog. Mm-hmm. And so a deviation from what you think you're going to get from that person could be a detriment to her from a monetary perspective. And I'm not claiming that, you know, again, she's she's a millionaire off of this stuff. But we have to understand the roles that we're playing in, right? And yeah, and I, I think she's a really great example, which is why I wanted her to be my first my first guests because I was thinking well if I can break through that veneer a little bit and at least give people some like beyond the website type content Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of nuance is helpful yeah and that's why that's why I really like doing the election editions so much those are really a grind it definitely feels like a job when we're doing those just because there's so many yeah and especially this year when it was all on zoom it was it was brutal yeah um and I, I mean, we divided it up. Thankfully, uh, you helped with some. Jeremy did. Um, Amelia helped with one. It, I, it was just enough work for me just to do all the production of it, right. do all the scheduling, pull in all the audio, edit it, put it out, get the show notes right. Like, I was spending like 10, 15 hours a week just doing all that stuff. Right. I wasn't even talking to that many people. Um, for those, it definitely feels like a job. But it, uh, it's also just very rewarding because I think it, 
helps you see what people are really about. Yeah. And that was, um, I mean, there's several examples that come to mind. Um, Patrick Lawler's was really compelling to me. He got kind of choked up talking about some personal situations he had had with COVID. Yeah. I mean, that's where he's coming from as a person, right? So we got policy up here. Right. But, like, that's that's one of the things that's driving him. That's good to know. Um, talking to hearing Nick Becker, like, it, I, I can't. I didn't say anything to vilify about the guy. Yeah, it was from uh, from that conversation. It was hard to not like yeah. Nick Becker. It's he just, seemed like a very reasonable person. He could be your neighbor. Yeah, absolutely. He's a family guy. Mm-hmm. He wants to do this thing. He has certain beliefs. He's going to apply those beliefs. Like you can disagree with him, but right. I didn't see anything in there to indicate he was like a, a bad person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, and those are just two that come to mind in that. But I think it's so important to have those longer form conversations. So you can really see who people are. Yeah. Um, same thing with with folks on the that you've talked to on your show, yeah. right? Well, and I think that district that Lawler and Becker were running in was extremely interesting because, like, it was a culture battle at a time when politically, I think both candidates probably shook out pretty pretty similar, right? I mean, and, and I say that with respect to thinking. I've been thinking a lot about local politics from the angle of. What can you get done in a single term, right? I mean, we saw Mark Tertilli, for example, in Normal talk about these terrible roads. And so, sure, um, as a response, I've spent the last several months driving over these terrible roads and thinking, well, where's this change they all promised me, right? (laughs) And I think about, like, that that district that Lawler and Becker were in was that, like... What do you, how much are you going to get done with respect to defunding the police in a four-year term, right? So so there's a vanity to talking about that, and I, I, I believe it illustrates a perspective, a political philosophy, but I think we need to start grounding ourselves more in the reality of what change can look like term over term, because yeah. that I think we learned our lesson with someone like Jen Carrillo, is that these things are fleeting, and these things can go away in a moment, and all of this political capital that we think we've generated can just, you know, disappear with the sale of a home. Yeah. And if you're too focused on what your end goal is, you can lose people in in seeing what the next step towards that goal would be. So there's there's definitely a role for people who are going to be visionary and just say, here's what I think the future could be in this regard. Mm -hmm. I think we could totally rethink policing. Sure. That's great. Um, So... What are we going to do in 2022 to that, right? And if, if there is something that's viable where there's some overlap between what Nick and Pat think, then, hey, let's run at that. Right? Yeah. In the meantime, while we can keep having debates about these larger things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would have loved to hear some some real critical conversation about what O'Neill Pool could have been. I think that, that's one thing culturally in Bloomington that's very interesting to me because I see the opportunity it brings for people on that side of the city. Um, I don't see a lot of job creation. I see a lot of money being spent. So it's... It's kind of a trade-off to me because I look at what's happening in normal and I see, well, we're kind of wedded to this 20-year plan and the people who are on the board in, in, in normal are operating from a stance of, well, let us prove this 20-year plan and then we'll show you why it'll work. Yeah. Whereas O'Neill Pool is a really great example of where I think we should be looking at some really diverse ideas for that space. And, I mean, even extending outside of that space, how are we going to generate physical business that isn't a chain, you know, a Domino's Pizza opening up? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think Bloomington normally have different problems, though. Yeah. Well, the... Um, and then when, when somebody doesn't fall within 
<laughs> then you got like a Stan Nord who doesn't fall yes. in the orthodoxy. And as I've said before several times on the podcast um, and off the podcast, I, I don't think Stan does himself any favors sometimes with the way he approaches things. I think you can be overly contra- um, right. confrontational, which doesn't help. But man, he, he just he asks outside of the box questions. He does things that are outside of the Overton window that we're supposed to talk about. Right, and you can see how. That system just like rubber bands and slams shut on him. Right? Yeah. Um, same thing with Jen. When yeah. she bring out things outside of it, all this like this the system acts to reduce dissonance in the. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and Stan, I, we've talked about this before, right? I'm I'm a normal person. You're a Bloomington person, and I've moved from Bloomington to normal, and so I've moved from a, a ward system to an at-large system. And I look at the at-large system the way it is, and especially with the way that the voting shook out, and I think, oh, status quo is going to be on the docket all the time. And any deviation yeah. from that status quo on the left or the right, or even in a Brad McMillan type space, just isn't going to garner enough enough momentum. Yeah. I, I, I personally, and I, we talked about this, Brad McMillan was like my pick to click <laughs> because I looked at him and I was like, a good political background. He came back to the area. You know, he's, he's living in the area. He's got some decent ideas. He'd challenge, but he would also kind of cooperate with people. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't, I don't know how normal with an at-large system, I don't know how normal evolves past the coos sort of doctrine without Coos leaving and a real change in the guard. Yeah. And I don't know if that can happen because I think what he's done with Responsible Cities is his pack. Like, he's done what we're all talking about doing, right? He's taken his political career and created a, a, a thing, a, like an ideology, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting, but I think we also need to recognize that unless we want to become a major Chicago suburb in the like of having a bunch <laughs> of chain restaurants, right, maybe, maybe we rethink some things. Not all things, but yeah. some things. yeah. I was I um, I called normal so wrong. Oh. <laughs> I was I was a hundred percent sure that Tiratilli was in. Um, yeah, I that was one of the many things that happened in election cycle where I've, I've written notes to myself for the next election is don't make any predictions because you don't know. Like you just really don't. Please uh, uh, yeah. be humble, please. Yeah, <laughs> I, I blame knows. Ryan Denham for the early reporting. Don't give me any sort of bait on Twitter that I can jump on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and so let me ask this though. So yeah, go for it. if if Mark Turtilly won, given let's say let's say Mark Turtilly wins and everyone else gets revoted the way that the voting shook out. Yeah. How effective is he as a mayor? I, I think he suffers from some of the same thing I just said with Stan, where he can be uh, confrontational. It doesn't do him any favors. Yeah. So I don't see him unifying. I didn't see him unifying things. I did see him asking tough outside-of-the-box questions, which was one of the reasons why I wasn't um, I wasn't scared of him being mayor in this way that some people were. Yeah. Um, I think it's fair to ask things that aren't being asked, right? Um, but I didn't see like a, a real unification of it, and I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think he posed the threat in the same way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. A lot of people were really alarmist about that, and I think that's the play in politics now: is that you're either afraid uh-huh. of the thing you don't understand, or you're in full support of the thing that speaks your language. Yeah. Um, I I mean, looking at the way that the council operates, I don't think he would have had license to really set us back. Um, and I almost think it would have probably just been a wasted four years where the council's, you know, like we see with Stan Nord. divided. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, we, so I, 
I think it would have probably been enough, if not his direct power, at least it would have been more soft power of an indication that the uptown strategy needs to change, not yeah. doing the underpass, not doing that new building. Right. Um, I mean, when, when that's going on and everyone votes everyone who voted for it back in, it's kind of like, well, I guess we're going to keep going then, you know? <laughs> it is difficult. It is, I mean, in, to, to go back to kind of what Eric Weinstein talks about, this sort of great awakening, right? It's been X number of years since we've dropped a nuclear bomb, and everyone's been living in a state of continuous economic growth. Um, and for the most part, this sort of bifurcation between upper class and lower class hasn't really existed before 2008, right? So now you've got everyone kind of looking at the situation around us and saying, well, maybe maybe we don't want to start that next trail extension when we haven't even rented out the major building that was going to be an income generator because we're on the hook for that, right? Yeah. And maybe we do need some space in the dialogue for conversation about being aggressive on pensions because I think if I like Coos and I thought he's done a great job with the area, I'm a cyclist, uh-huh. I love the trail, like yep. I'm pro Coos. Yep. But I also say, well, what's this going to look like 10, 20 years from now? Like we're blessed that we have the Rivian growth and potential Samsung growth, but are we banking on that? Like how dependent are we on that growth? Yeah. And the fact that there's not even space for opposite sort of conversation, that's concerning to me. Yeah, somebody, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Somebody was positing the idea, does democracy work without growth? Because if the idea is compromise, if the pie is getting bigger and you're just discussing who gets what part of that growth, that's a different conversation than the pie is the same or or shrinking and now you need to divide up. You need to divide up the losses, right? right? Or you need to, like just fight over what's there currently yeah it turns into a zero-sum game and how does that affect bipartisanship and democracy because if everyone a year wins is a loss for me compromise is much different than like right uh psychologically if i can give you seven dollars and i get six dollars like mm-hmm. okay i mean if we're, if we're 13 bucks up you get seven i get six i can live with that this time right you can build your trails um, but fix my road, and then right. we'll all be happy. You know, you can fund your pension, and I'll, um, you know, repair the we'll repair the sewer lines, and then we'll all be happy, right? But if it's like now you need to fund the pension or repair the sewer lines, yeah, then it, it's it starts to get to an intractable psychological point. Yeah, it do, it <laughs> does, but it also I, I I get nervous about that because I think. It sucks when we omit things from the dialogue just because they're not convenient to talk about. And I don't mean, I mean, convenience a harsh word in that sense, right? But uh, I think infrastructure is a really interesting thing, right? Because we're worried about the potholes. We're worried about the sewers. Those are very important things. But then we have something like a trail extension getting included in some infrastructure dollars, right? And so I know that the McLean County Republicans were very strong against that. And, you know, they were arguing that the trail should not be part of the infrastructure dollars and I pushed back which again the internet's a great place to get a bunch of terrible remarks Yeah. but um, I asked I said well isn't cycling part of our infrastructure right you're from the Netherlands mm-hmm. yep. you know about this mm-hmm. um, I mean they've got a mayor of bikes out there I went out there and the amount of cyclists that I saw compared to vehicles was astounding yeah and it's just all set up for that right yeah. and mm-hmm. it, it, this is where I think I get a little confused about the direction, what we want to be as a city, right? Yeah. Because I look at Bloomington Normal and I think of 
I mean, Asheville's a bit optimistic to, to think of like something out of, out in nature, but I see this as a small town. Like the, the farm culture is awesome and the university culture is awesome. But the thing that I fear is like all the pop-up franchises that are coming. Right. I mean, one person who I, again, I'm a huge fan. I've tried to get him on the podcast. We're just trying to work out a date is uh, Aaron who runs pop-up chicken. Okay. I mean, I think from a, from an entrepreneurial story, there's a lot that we can learn there. That's a person who's choosing to stay at the VFW in partnership with them. When we, we saw happen to Braze is that they went out, you know, to Legacy or Park Regency Hotel, whatever that was, mm-hmm. and it didn't work out so well for them. But um, yeah, those are the things that I, I would like to see those more in the dialogue there. The, the, the car versus bike thing is so interesting to me because um, and I'm just going to totally steal this idea from Strong Towns, but I think it's totally true. Um, what, what is progressive and what is conservative yeah. should be more ideological. Uh, and by ideological, I mean like you should, it shouldn't really change with time. But it actually does yeah. because the progressives were the ones back in the 40s and 50s who wanted to redesign our whole country to basically look like um, Detroit. Yep. Detroit's like you know, one of the most successful, bustling mm-hmm. cities in the world. It's got phenomenal growth, phenomenal apparent financial success, and so we made a whole country along the model of what Detroit was. Yeah. That was a progressive idea. The conservatives were like, wow, you know, expanding growth with um, you know, a bunch of new roads that the government's paying for that seems very aggressive. I don't know about that. Now it's been that way for a while. Now car-centered travel is now the standard. So now you have the Republicans, the conservatives saying, well, you want to move away from car-centered travel. That's Agenda 21 stuff. That's, that's, you know, progressive European thought, like, you know, uh, invading what we're doing. But, like, the whole idea that cars would be our primary form of transportation was a progressive idea. <laughs> so right. It's like, it's been progressive so long, it's become tradition. Yeah. And that was the conservative position. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of a, it's a big psychological mess. Well, but, uh, but it, you can't have a car be a barrier of an, what, what I come back to is it's not fair that a car be a barrier of entry to society. Yep. We should be able to participate in the economic um in, in the economy of the society without having to be able to pay for a car because it's pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's just a, that's both for the individual and then also as the city, we have too many roads. We yeah. can't maintain all of them. Yeah. We, I, I, I think in our lifetime we're going to start seeing roads be gravel roads again because they're less expensive, they're easier to maintain. Mm-hmm. If you drive out to ah, off of Tawanda Barnes before you get to Downs, there's a little like a little town there mm-hmm. on the east side. Uh, I had some friends who live out there. They have gravel roads because they have to pay for their own roads. Mm-hmm. And roads are expensive. So when you have to pay for your own road, you put gravel down. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm off on a big tangent there. But, oh, but those are like that. I think that's the like libertarian flair coming in right there. Is right? Yeah. The ability to make our own decisions at a local level. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, the cycling thing to me... I was a university student in early 2000s here, so um, kind of got to see the trail grow. And I grew up in Chicago, so like I was close to the North Branch Trail or the Des Plaines River Trail at any given time. But um, yeah, I for some reason, and I don't know if there's much there there of this comment, but um, I feel like conservative angst against Connect Transit bleeds into our ideas about the function of the trail. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I, I don't 
I don't use Connect Transit. I've listened to uh, was it Ryan McQuarrie who came on here. Uh-huh. I've listened to Justin. I I think there is a need for buses. But, um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah but I've. Yeah, I, I guess I, I look at it right now and I think, yeah, we should be thinking about bikes. People who are thinking about less government should be pushing the idea that we have a functional trail, which is a small two-lane trail that ne- rarely needs to be resurfaced, as opposed to expanding our current road infrastructure. Yeah, um, it's a con- it's a conservative position in that it's financially responsible and allows yeah. for independ- individual independence and responsibility. Right, allows people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Like it's completely there's a complete conservative line of argument yeah. for all modes of transportation, especially walkability mm-hmm. in places. Um, but, uh, well, it's I mean, a steal right from strong towns, right? The, exactly. the smaller the lanes, the slower the traffic. And I think we learned, I, I would hate to see us as a community lose what we've learned from COVID. And what I mean by that is there's a real space for outdoor dining. There's a real space for cutting down um, city traffic. You know what I mean? And then when I think yeah. about Bloomington specifically, I picture those, you know, those three-lane, four-lane roads where they put a median in between, and that's close to traffic um, on the weekends. I see if, if that's what we want as a community is we want to create an urban center in downtown Bloomington or an uptown normal, we got to rethink the amount of traffic that flows through there. Yeah. And when I think about uptown normal, I mean, this idea I, that we're going to force everyone into a park parking garage to then go to a walkable space like it's sort of confounding <laughs> yeah yeah the thing about uptown normal is so confuses me is why the traffic why they let cars in to go around the the, the circle I, yeah it seems it, it just seems absolute like a waste to me I, I but all of all of the downtown areas i had growing up in the netherlands and belgium they were all walking only they were all yeah. pedestrian only certain hours when trucks would come in to deliver stuff. If you needed to drive a car down there, you could, but it was very clearly that wasn't that wasn't where a car belonged, you right. know. Um, and so that's my mode, and it, it, it's just, it's very, um, it's just very not in the American psyche. I think we can get there, though. I think COVID gave us some opportunities to see how we could do that differently. And I think the younger generations, uh, largely as a result of uh, the debt that they've taken on, um, but they've, they've looked to bikes more, right? I know a lot. When yeah. I went to school at Temple in Philadelphia, I was one of the few people driving a car. Everybody lived near campus. It was an urban area, and everyone was riding to yeah. campus. So, yeah. uh, and that was a, more of like a monetary need than you know convenience. But it grew. Well, hey, and um, so I... We got off uh, track because both you and I like talking about we this do. stuff. But do. Um, I, I'm I'm just curious more about the podcasting experience for you. And um, there was a joke I saw the other day. I'm probably gonna butcher it, but it's something like um, podcasts are like babies. Like they're they're really easy to create. Not everyone has one. Dessert should really have one, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I I do question myself. Like I'm wondering if you do too. It's like what am I? Am I just being? Exhibitionary, like, am I just recording myself talk? And why? Why do people want to listen to me? Right, talk. Right. right. It's well. I would say um, I feel a tremendous amount of anxiety for my guests because I don't. I didn't create the podcast to build a listener base for myself. I created the podcast to build a listener base for my guests. Yeah. And so yeah. for that reason, it helps me get over this sort of like vanity, right? Because it does feel somewhat vain to put a mic in your face. Yeah. Um, but also, 
Yeah, like I, I think about that, and then I also think about the type of conversations, hence the name Keep Your Day Job. Like, for example, yesterday I came downstairs and, you know, said good morning to my wife, and I immediately was talking to her about Joe Rogan's use of ivermectin and how we're not talking about <laughs> ivermectin in the correct space and that we should be thinking about its medical applications in the past before we totally... And I, the look on her face was like, dude, I don't want to have this conversation with you. Yeah. So um, that's another value to me of this podcast uh-huh. is like I might get you know uh, uh, Zachary Gitrich who I talked to about police reform like, I disagree with him about a lot of things but I mean I, I have to credit the energy I have to credit the passion and I have to credit the knowledge and the amount it's to me as a person who was an art student like stuck in the studio all the time I am so encouraged by people like him who are doing all this research and getting all these FOIA requests that I'm just I'm enamored that that person would even take 20 minutes to talk to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel lucky for that. Well, I, th- I think there's probably some parallels with those two. You went to art school. My undergrad was in philosophy. Yep. Um, I did math, too, and I liked it, but my main passion was philosophy. So now both of us are working for a huge insurance company, right? Yeah. So it's like, how do you find... I don't always feel like some of the things that are important to me I have an expression with yeah. my work. So that I do the same thing. I'll just, like drop on my wife like I just, she was like getting out of the shower and I was like you know I was just thinking like someone just made this point I put it together that um, in a way did did like my German ancestors abandon a lot of their heritage so that we could adopt like the tools of the broader humanity like was it a cost that we paid in order to gain access to like a greater sense of like the tools of all cultures right and she's like I'm getting dressed like (laughs) please like I don't know this is like a nerds like us moment because I was I was just thinking in my head you know at one point we tried to create a single language for the entire world (laughs) you need that you need that so it's like I like to talk to people about big ideas and I have my own ideas, but I'm right. perfectly happy to talk to other people. Like, I just yeah. spent an hour and 45 minutes talking to Jamie Mack about board games. Like, I want to know what he knows about board games. Right? There's a lot there. Like, human passion is, is... I'm never not interested in something that someone is genuinely excited about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I my wife will make fun of me because I will talk to, like, anyone. I'll call myself anxious and, like that I don't like talking to a lot of people. I'm not really, like, socially extrovert. But then someone talks to me about some random thing, and I'm like, oh, you're into darts? I don't know anything about darts. Let's talk to me. <laughs> Tell me everything you know about darts. Like, there's a dart subculture? Oh, I'm totally interested yeah, in this. Yeah, yeah. My kids even see it whenever I'm, like, walking the dog. Like, do you want to, like, you know, I'm, um... Hey, I just asked Eli, you want to go walk the dog with me? And he's like, well, are you going to walk the dog or are you going like, to talk to people? <laughs> right. Well, if I run into someone, I'm probably going to talk to them. Like, yeah. Hey, what kind of dog is that? Oh, I got it. Here, when I was in the military. You're in the military? Where'd you serve? Blah, 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 blah. And like, 20 minutes later, you've learned about this first. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and I think life is just too short to not be passionate about something. And a lot of people, yeah. like all of my friends who I went to ISU with, are living up somewhere else in a city somewhere and like we left moved around a bunch of places and then came back and we intentionally came back because a it was a great place to raise kids but b that's like an interesting micro ecosystem of what's happening in the world now yeah. we've got our far right we've got exactly. our far left exactly we're still facing infrastructure problems in the same way we're facing them at national level <laughs> education taxes run them all down the line we've got the same issues yep and i mean i was in high V the other day and i saw in boca and so like that, that's kind of an interesting human 
like a, a human touch to this experience yeah. is that not only am I trying to learn about these problems, but I get to meet the players and I would never be able to get Lori Lightfoot to sit down for a podcast, right? <laughs> it's just, you, you find yourself in the pond that you fit most well in. Yeah. So somebody said this, I, I'm totally stealing it from her. It was someone like back in the early days of me doing the show, but it stuck with me ever since then. She said, um, she said our community is big enough to have real problems, but small enough to feel like you might be able to do something to help them out. Right. And that's that's exactly why that, that to me just epitomizes what I see people doing, right? Yeah. Like people need bikes. West Bloomington Revitalization Project is there trying to help them out with it. Yeah. Um, you know, like just all over the place doing people the rent the uh, the tenant mm-hmm. um, association people you talk to. Yeah. Um, Jackie Gunderson going and talking to schools about LGBTQ issues, you know? If people are just trying to do just stuff to help it. other people out. Right. But if you're in a Chicago, then you're like, cool. Like, you could maybe do that at a neighborhood level, but then there's all these in, there's all these exterior components yeah. that are, that are external just, components, I should say, that are yeah. messing it. So it's, what, it's, it's funny you bring up the West Bloomington Vitalization Project, because I was at the Farmer's Market yesterday. Um, always shout out to the Farmer's Market. Oh, man. But um, <laughs> I saw Karen Schmidt. And I saw her with the book bike. And I met Karen Schmidt at the West Bloomington Revitalization Project. I was dropping off books and working on bikes. Um, we had a great conversation. And I didn't know about any of this, like, pre-Jen Carrillo uh, political baggage that was assigned to her. Mm-hmm. And then I, I I heard all the conversation about her as a potential um, person to fill in for Jen when Jen had to step down. And everybody on the left was, was kind of crapping all over her. And then I saw her at the farmer's market with that book bike, and I was like, well, yeah. wait a second. This yeah. woman has given how many years of her life to this community, thanklessly riding this. She invented the book bike, right? She created a space where there was nothing, but for some reason she fell out of fashion with the political left or the political right, and so now she's no longer a valuable player, when in truth is she's out there grinding. And that's that's one thing I, if, you know, so this is a question I'm sure you've heard too. Yeah. Will you be running for office, right? Uh-huh. I always answer that question, no, because I look at the amount of commitment that it takes and the amount of time that you take away from yourself mm-hmm. to serve and I think wow like that's that's beyond what I'm capable of doing right now yeah yeah there's a lot of different ways to serve your community and I don't fault people for asking the question um, I I may it's something I might do like in retirement yeah with my kids the age they are I can't spend that much time away from them and then time and energy mm-hmm. like, I I am not a mature enough person to be able to withstand the the personal blows and attacks that come yeah. from that. Yeah. Uh, I know I would just be consumed with it. You know, I'd be like on the pantograph comment section, right? right. Know, like, <laughs> Let me explain a, to you. <laughs> I'd be at dinner, you know, like just thinking about that instead of actually being present with my family. And right. I wanted to give that kind of sacrifice. Right it's now. the truth, though. Um, it is, yeah. But I mean, someone's got to do it. So, well, and see, I look at it, <laughs> I look at it from a similar perspective, and then I have like a little slightly different take where I think, okay, I'd be Stan Nord. If I ran for office, I'd be an equivalent to Stan Nord because I would be the person that's saying, I don't disagree necessarily with the way that you're doing it right now, but I think we should invest some resources into thinking if that doesn't work, right? Um, You and I both work in a space where we're adopting agile methodology, Uh and I look at the way that we plan as a city, and I think, well, what sort of short-term incremental goals can we get more quickly? Which I will, I look to the book bike, I look to the really free market. Uh, I know we're both big fans of Kelby. Uh Look at all these things that people are doing. The community healthcare center, yeah. the when, immigration uh, project. When Kelby and his wife organized the um, assistance for the for the people who couldn't go to the grocery store during yep. COVID, you mm-hmm. know, 
it's just a lot of people doing a lot of good things. Right. Um, that's why our tagline is uh, people doing big things in Bloomington normal. Um, it, that doesn't mean that they have to be in politics or have to right. be owning a business or have to even be someone you've heard of before. Like right. My friend Lyndon, who is a pharmacist at a, a long-term care facility, you know? It's a pretty big thing. Yeah. I feel... <laughs> but if we get together and he's like, how was your day? I'm like, man, you know, stress. This, like, this kind of sucks. I don't like you know, virtual environment. I can't... You know, I get these phone calls. No one talks. Like, it's annoying. Uh, this and that, this and that, and it'll be just like, like, "How was your day?" He's like, "Oh yeah, someone died." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> like, yeah, oh. we tried to save him. It took a few hours, but he passed away. So it was, that was hard." And I was like, "Your job is much harder than mine." <laughs> like, I, I could not imagine working in any any part of the medical space man. at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that would be t- that would be really difficult. Yeah. So there's just there's a lot of stuff to celebrate, and I think as long as you and I keep our focus on yeah. the people we're talking to. Um, and even the ones when we talk a lot by ourselves, like your fish episode, right? Mm-hmm. That's about part of this community, too. And, right. And one of my friends who <laughs> I connected you with later, I was like, you, so you were at the funny. same concert with this guy. He's here local, too, right? That's that's about, on the one hand, it's a monologue you did. Yeah. But it's also about a community, right? A community right. of people, something to celebrate that we have. And we're speaking to a particular audience. Um, there's a comedian yeah. I listen to, Tim Dillon, who's got a podcast, um, Dark Humor, but um, he talks about how if you wanted to make a documentary, you can go into any rundown town, and again, he's being hyperbolic here, and just stick a camera on anyone's face. And that's kind of been my MO here is, well, if I see something in the news, and in terms of my agenda, my planning, I'm like a butterfly. Like, I just go from thing to thing. Like, oh, what's this story? Will this person respond on Messenger? Oh, I guess I'm interviewing this person <laughs> next week about this yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, there's so much, yeah, there's so much ripe fruit for me here. I was like that during the first year where I was bouncing around to meet other people's schedules. Mm-hmm. That eventually got too exhausting to me. How, how we do it now is being here from 1 to 3 every Sunday. Yeah. And then... If we can get somebody at that time, then cool. If not, Justin and I usually talk or we cancel or something. Um, yeah, I, I really like being here. Um, sound quality with the music isn't great. I'm a little self-conscious about that. Um, but, again, this is one of the examples to me this place. is like It's a very cool place that's been built up, and so I like being here and representing them. Um, and I don't want like a professional studio, right? I don't want to have to try to pay for a professional studio, and, yeah. Even though it would sound better, right? So, would it? I, 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 yes, yes. It would sound in the, in the traditional way that we understand sound. It would sound better, but yeah. um, that's one thing I've done with my podcast is I do it all from my phone. So I've got a mic that I stick in my phone. Oh, you do it on your phone? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got cool. in which don't ever text me while I'm podcasting. Yeah, I won't respond. What do you um, use to edit? I use Audacity. Again, that's okay. a that's it's a crowd a free program that I use. So uh, okay. posting on Anchor. So everything's free, really, other than the Zoom cost, which is the annual subscription, uh-huh. and the cost for the mic. That's all. Those are my expenses. Yeah. 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 And my goal would be to, I mean, I'm really interested in local agriculture as a person who grew up in the city and did none of it. And like it's just like an endless trough of knowledge for me. Yeah. Um, but I've... I, my, my goal with this was to be able to go out to people's farms and talk to them about the things that they do um, as, you know, another supplement to the guests. But, cool. uh, yeah, farmers have looked at me like I'm crazy, understood, because uh, this isn't something people normally do. But that's why I got the mic. I want I want to hear a little bit of grit. You know what I mean? I want to hear a little something in the yeah. background to help people get a different sense of location. Well, sometimes I feel like you and I are kind of running over each other, but there's so many people to talk to. I don't I don't think we are. And even when both of us talk to the same person, sometimes 
we get well, I'm your number one critic of this podcast, so everything you do wrong, I interview the same people, and I just and try to. I just better. that's my approach. <laughs> <laughs> I go straight for the holes. Yeah. No, I, it is interesting that we. There's not that many people to talk to in this town, and we will talk to the same people. But what I appreciate is that we come from different perspectives. I mean, and even when you have Justin on here, um, I mean, you both. I feel like you both have more polish. I joke about like a political class of people who are engaged and involved with politics, and I don't exactly see myself within that space yeah. because a lot of times I just throw my hands up and get frustrated with it. I am the chair of the planning commission, so I guess I'm an insider. But. Yeah, but I appreciate that, though. I mean, we need we need less people screaming into the void. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I do feel like sometimes I'm the I'm the stand of the planning commission because. There'll be this like very run of the mill, you know, like oh this this developer wants to come in and build these houses in this place, and I just I end up making the meeting take an hour and a half with all my questions about like how much everything's going to cost and why are we building houses in this location and not this location and right why are you building all the houses out of the same exact cheap material that's gone all degrades simultaneously in yeah. thirty years and, yeah. Um, everyone else, I'm sure, is like, oh, my gosh, we could have been out here like an hour ago. Why is Tyson still asking questions? <laughs> well, that's also where I think uh, I think Justin Boyd, shout out to Justin. I know you're not here, but I think Justin was ahead of his time when he wrote that article about political political appointees in Bloomington getting paid a livable wage. Mm, yeah. I mean, yeah. let's be I, I, I've already read online that. In the you know in the coming age of automation, based on the amount of people who are enrolling in STEM programs right now in universities, we're going to have great deficiencies at the local level. Local treasurers, planners, city you know city managers. There's there's going to be a gap in those positions when the current people retire. And I also think about how we're going to automate away so many things that used to be jobs. Mm-hmm. You would think that we would want to endow tremendous value to the people who help plan our future. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean I'm I'm a huge proponent of that. I don't know who I need to talk to to get that changed, but uh, <laughs> cool. yeah. I, I, I thought that was really interesting. Well, I know you got to go. Um, just you asked, Right before the mics came on, you asked about uh, why I changed the music and, yes. and dropped the pod BN out. It was just pure editing laziness, uh, but if you liked the pod BN, I kind of liked it too, and my kids did as well, so I'll throw it back in. Is that it? To me, that's that's like the EA Sports at the beginning oh, okay. of the game. I want right, to hear the right. pod BN. Cool. I, I still got the clips, so <laughs> all right. starting now, I will, I will have the um, the intro uh, track back on there for you, Ed. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, <laughs> as we're wrapping up, let me just say this because I don't know if anyone, if you've said, you won't say it, but um, I have tremendous respect for what Justin and Tyson have done in this space, um, especially with the respect to like supplementing local news and giving people different perspectives. Um, you two are the reason that I started my podcast. Oh, and I mean, there was a time where I was badgering you guys about letting me be a guest and rant. But um, I appreciate that you didn't because it encouraged me to, to, to create my own space. And I think there's nothing more encouraging than seeing the difference between my space and your space. Yeah. And when I see a guest that you've done, it encourages me to find a, a, a different guest, a different type of guest that maybe talk on the same topic. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to have you as a, a peer. Yeah, cool. That's very kind of you to say. Thank you, Ed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, best of luck. Uh, hope you keep... Uh, Keep working out people to talk to. Hope it keeps. Hope it keeps being fun. I mean, that's right. the most important thing, right? Right. Right. Well, and I, I have no fun. barrier to entry. So if you hate the podcast, come on and tell me about it. Let's talk about it. If you like the podcast, or if you got something interesting going on, reach out. Yeah. There's no barrier to entry. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. All right. Yeah. Well.